Remember my good friend, his name's Ari Slutz. He's from a small place called Flanagan, uh, which is near Rotterdam in Holland. And uh, he was in charge of worship. And uh, back in the day, uh, it wasn't YouTube or, you know, MP4 or whatever it was. It was uh, CDs. We weren't, we weren't in the era of tapes at that point, but it was, it was CDs. And uh, Ari would pull out a CD and we'd, we'd worship the Lord. And then, you know, he'd quickly be trying to get the next one in and we'd have so much fun. So anyway, that reminded me a little bit of that. Um, and I was on that trip. Uh, I'll say this for the, for the Dutchies that are out there. Um, we were in a, we we're in a staff meeting and he, he, uh, he turned to me and he said, Caleb, I have a, I have a hint. I have a hinge and I, and, uh, and I said, you've got a what? And he said, I've got a hinge. And I said, well, what's a, what's a hinge? And, uh, he said, you know, just a feeling about something, a feeling that, that something is, is, is going to happen. And so what he'd done is he'd taken the Dutch word hint and the English word hunch and he'd created a new word called hinge. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna share a, a word today, uh, about the transformation of our minds. And, uh, it'll be a simple word, challenging word. But it's, it's just a word that I felt that God put on my heart as we launch into this new year. You wanna grab your Bibles, uh, or you can follow along up on the screen there. We're gonna start by looking at Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see a really clear progression of what it means to become a disciple of Christ. And uh, in today's message, we're going to look specifically at the pattern of this world, that aspect of the Scripture. But before we get into that, we just want to give a quick emphasis to the progression that we see You know, really, as we are disciples of Jesus, the reason that we give God our best, it's because of his incredible love and mercy, isn't it? As we see here in the scripture, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And I I know personally, I need such fresh revelation of the incredible love and mercy of God. And that's what I'm trusting uh, more of for today. You know, as we look at this scripture, it talks about the pattern of this world. And it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We think about the many years since this passage of scripture was written and all the different empires and all the different systems of thinking and all the different religious ways of thinking we could, we could look through it all and we could think, well, is this the pattern of this world? Is that the pattern of this world? Is this the pattern of this world? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the pattern of this world. Are you ready? In a very quick, succinct way. Okay? I'm gonna sing. So this is gonna be scary as well. Okay? 
Okay. So, it's all about me and the glory of my name. It's not about you. That's the pattern of this world, isn't it? Yeah? You know, you're probably thinking there has to be more than that. There is. Okay. But really, what is the pattern of this world? I think if we look back through Scripture, we look back at the different aspects of what we see in Scripture, probably the central central concept or idea that encapsulates the pattern of this world is this focus on ourself, isn't it? At the center of a biblical worldview is the worship of God. And uh, I've loved being a part of your services and just worshiping the Lord and the encouragement from Pastor Chelsea to worship God and to, to really focus in on him as our ultimate hope. What I'd like to do is uh, track right back to where sin entered the world because i think we have this beautiful picture where where adam and eve were created as they were meant to be and then progressively they walked away and you see the importance i think of understanding the pattern of this world is that we want to be people that understand who we really are and what actually impacts us what is it that actually afflicts us what is it that challenges us in our daily walk uh, we've got a quote uh, that, if if it's there, hopefully I put it in the PowerPoint. It's by Billy Graham, which says, The greatest obstacle to our sanctification is seeing ourselves as we really are. So, you know, so often for myself, it's not my willingness or my desire to change. It's often that I just don't see myself as I actually am. And so as we look at this aspect of the pattern of this world, what is the pattern of this world? I want to take a look at our second portion of Scripture, which comes from Genesis chapter 3. We can put, you probably won't be able to see that. Did an issue magnifying glasses, but uh, Genesis chapter 3, 7 to 13. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. You know, Each one of us have the awesome, awesome opportunity to come into beautiful relationship with the living God. Isn't that amazing? But often our relationship is afflicted or hindered by what we might term the pattern of this world. And this morning, the thing that I want to put to you is I think what we see here in Genesis chapter 3 is we see a very clear picture of the pattern of this world. We've seen all sorts of different religious beliefs come and go, and we've got many that are very prominent now. But the underlying essence of what the pattern of this world is, I believe, can be seen in this passage. We see the first aspect that I want to highlight. 
from verse 7. It says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So I want to suggest that the first aspect of the pattern of this world is what we might call self-centeredness, as I summed up in that little song, okay? It's all about me, not about you. The first aspect of the pattern of this world is self-centeredness. The first impact of the fall was our preoccupation with self. And we see here that, that as soon as Adam and Eve became aware of this particular attribute, they made coverings for themselves. You know, so often we're unaware of the way the world impacts us, you know, through whether it be through advertising, social media, entertainment. And often the subtle message that we're consistently getting is, it's all about you. It's all about the glory of your name. It's not about him. And, you know, the opposite of self-centeredness is God-centeredness. So as we look at this, this passage today, the thing that we want to have great desire for, the thing that we want to ask God to come and do in our lives is, God, just come in this new year and refresh my heart. God, come and give me fresh revelation of what it means to, to, to be a God-centered Christian. You might think, is there any other Christian than a God-centered Christian? I think there's so many things, isn't there, that pull us away from the very center of our faith, of being people that are focused in on Him. You know, uh, early last year, I found myself in a place where I was pr- saying, God, just come, I want to draw closer. I want to be closer to you. God, give me an undivided heart. And I started to look at scriptures and passages that talked about what it means to have an undivided heart. And, you know, as I, as I went through that, I began to realize that it's not possible to have an undivided heart without waiting upon the Lord. So I thought about my times of prayer and my times of seeking God. And I thought, God, I have, I have times of prayer and I read my Bible and do all of that. And I was saying, God, is, is there anything you want to speak to me about? And I felt God starting to speak to me about the BBC app on my phone. The BBC app. The ABC app. And, you know, often my go-to throughout the day at that point, and, and I say I'm improving, but I've got room for growth. Not that checking the news is wrong. But my go-to all through the day was the BBC, the BBC, the BBC, the BBC, 10, 15, 20 times a day. I felt like God was speaking to me. You know what? Each of those little windows throughout the day, that's a moment to pray. It's a moment to lift your heart to the Lord. That's a moment to pray for your kids. That's a moment to pray for this situation. And again, it's not wrong. We need to know about the world, don't we? We need to know what's going on. But I just felt the Lord speaking to me about this, this subtle influence that's so often connected to how wired we are, how connected we are, um, this aspect of self-focus. And it comes in in such subtle ways, doesn't it? Such little, little ways. Um, you know, often even in our Christian faith, this self-focus can, can be there. Um, You know, throughout Scripture, we see an emphasis on giving God our best because of the reward of blessing. We also see that we should give God our best because, well, we don't want to be disciplined. But, you know, the problem with those two things as being primary motivators 
is both of those things are focused in on ourself. And so, you know, often as Christians, we find ourselves in a place where we're like, well, I'll give God my best. I'll be a God-centered Christian because I want to experience the reward of blessing. Or I'll give God my best and I won't do bad things because, oh, I don't want to, I've got this fear of discipline. But actually, God wants to take us deeper than that. Can we say amen to that? The reason we would give God our best, the reason we wouldn't sin is because we have deep revelation of how worthy he is. Can we say amen to that? That we would have an understanding of how precious and how amazing and how good he actually is. And so the primary motivation for our Christian life would actually be him. The second thing we see in this passage in Genesis chapter 3 is in verses 8 to 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And what we see here, I believe, is, and I want to suggest this to you, is the second primary attribute of the pattern of this world. That we'd have to say that the dominant emotion of today and probably the dominant emotion of the past 2,000 years is that of fear. And as Christians, it's we believe that perfect love casts out all fear. And so part of what God wants to do in this process of renewal is give us deeper and deeper revelation of his love. Deeper revelation of his pure love that deals with fear, that deals with anxiety, that deals with the fear of death, that deals with all these different things. And, you know, as we list them through, it can almost seem cliche, but it's not cliche, is it? It's just a deeper revelation that every single one of us needs of the perfect love of God that would anchor our hearts and anchor our spirits. So God wants us to be people that transform from being motivated from fear or allowing fear to rule our hearts to allowing revelation of his love to fill our hearts and to transform our emotions. The third aspect that I want to suggest that would make up the pattern of this world can be seen here in verses 12 and 13. This is from Genesis chapter 3. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the third aspect that would make up the pattern of this world is this attribute of blame shifting. It's not my fault, that person's fault. If this hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be like this. If, uh, if my husband wasn't like this, then I wouldn't be like this. If my wife wasn't like this, I wouldn't be like this. You know, I can think of uh, a situation, I hope I don't get in trouble from my wife, so we'll just uh, commit this one to the Lord. Um, you know, when I, when I, when I cook and when I make food, um, I leave all of the cupboard doors open. So I come into the kitchen, this door's open, that door's open, everything's open. And it's just far more practical to have everything open because you can get things as you go along. Well, a number of years ago, Jane came to me and said, well, Caleb, you know, uh, I'd really appreciate it if you could 
closed the cupboard doors. And, um, you know, I, I thought, man, this is ridiculous. What's her issue? Isn't she meant to love me as I am? You know, it's all, it's all good. And, uh, and then, um, so obviously with that kind of an attitude, nothing changed. So I would continue my door opening things and she, she came to me again, very gentle. Could you just try and close the doors? It means a lot to me. Man, what's her problem? Man, that, that type of a thought. Anyway, continued on. Uh, and then Jane came to me a little firmer and said, Caleb, you know, when I come into the kitchen and all the doors are open, um, it doesn't make me feel settled. I feel a bit, you know going to make sure I get the words right here. But um, <clears throat> usually when I preach, he's not there. Um, <laughs> um, but it makes me feel uh, unsettled. And, um, and, and so, I, I, okay, something, something's a big deal here. And so, you know, I use that example, but often in life we find ourselves in situations where we think, if this person wasn't like this, if they could love me just for how I was, if they didn't do this, if they didn't do that, then I would be the perfect Christian. If I could live on a remote island with no one else, then you would see the glory of God shining through me. Um, and it's not that, you know, people don't cause pain and difficulty and challenge in our life, but... I think there's this deep principle that we find through Scripture and that we see through the person of Jesus of taking personal responsibility, uh, changing what we can and trusting God to change what we, what we cannot. So we want to be people that take personal responsibility. Um, you know, our ability to see ourselves as we really are is so crucial to success in the Christian life. Now, coming back to Romans chapter 12, I'll just quickly review that again. It says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves uh, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing and perfect will. We see a progression, see the progression of repentance coming before the Lord in view of God's mercy. What do we do? We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. It's not me who's living. It's you who's living. Then there's this process of transformation. And that process of transformation is allowing the truth of God to come in and in a sense, root out the aspects of the pattern of this world. I want to suggest to you that the things that constantly afflict me is self-centeredness, fear, and blame shifting. I love to blame people, okay? Fear often gets a grip on my heart, and I need God's love and revelation of his truth to come in and set me free. I'm totally given to becoming a self-centered person, but I need God to constantly come, and I need to apply myself to lifting my eyes to look and see him in every moment of every day. And so we see progression repentance we see the life of a disciple going through to this final part which says then you will be able to test and approve god's good pleasing and perfect will and i think what we see here is we see the primary characteristics of spiritual maturity um i i would put to you that the primary characteristic of someone who's mature is that they have understanding and 
Perhaps the primary characteristic of someone who's spiritually mature is they have spiritual understanding. They understand things. They see things as God would want them to see. And so we see this progression and we see this progression through to this place of spiritual maturity. Why does God want us to be spiritually mature? I think there's many reasons. He wants us to impact this world. Is that right? You know, this this world and the places we live in um, are impacted by people who live as disciples of Jesus, people who follow and live in his way. Another reason that God wants us to be transformed and to find ourselves in this place of spiritual maturity is that I think God wants intimate, close relationship with us. Amen. Um, we got my little two-year-old over there. Hi, William. Um, you know, when I'm playing with him, I go after him and I go, peekaboo, or I'm going to get you, William. Here I come. And he loves, he's smiling. He, th- he thinks it's awesome. If we track forward 10 years, he's 12 years old. He walks into church, he's sitting there, and uh, I'm like, ooh, William, here I come, peekaboo, or I'm going to get you. He'd be like, oh my goodness, who is that person standing up the front? I do not know him. Um, you know, what's what's changed? Uh, he's grown in understanding, hasn't he? He's, so in my commitment to have relationship with my son now, I enter into his world. Is that right? And God enters into our world. But he has an ambition for us to not just physically, emotionally mature. He has an ambition for us to spiritually mature. And I think if we don't understand what afflicts us as it relates to the pattern of this world, danger is we can miss out perhaps on the intimacy that God wants for us because we haven't progressed into what we might term spiritual maturity. That the way that I would relate with my son is directly impacted by the level of understanding that he has. My love for him now, my love for my two-year-old, is no less than my love for my eight-year-old. But the way I relate is completely different. And so the sense that I had for this morning is that God would want to come and just encourage us. And like I said, uh, it's a, it, it was a simple but challenging word. Encourage us in this, in this journey of faith. Encourage us about what it means to give our lives as living sacrifices to God. And I think the majority of people in this room have done that. What does it mean to be people that uh, confront and walk away and allow the revelation and the truth of God to help us be renewed in our thinking so that the pattern of this world isn't what dominates the way we live our life for the purpose of seeing this world impacted and reached and sharing in deep intimacy with our Heavenly Father. So I just want to close by praying and uh and then we'll we'll finish off. Maybe we could we could we just take a moment to wait quietly before the Lord. Is that all right? Just allow God to speak to us, and then I'll close in prayer. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your deep love and your deep affection. We thank you that you're so committed to seeing us grow and develop. We thank you that you're here with us, Lord. We know that you you promised that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, as the world in many ways would get darker, we know that your light will always overcome. Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts now and show us any areas in our life that you would want to get 
your attention on, get our attention on. We just pray that you'd speak with clarity, Lord. Lord, we want deeper revelation of what it means to live a God-centered life. Deeper revelation of your love. And deeper revelation of what it means to take personal responsibility. We thank you that, Lord, as we embrace these three things, we actively confront the pattern of this world. And we walk into a place of deep spiritual maturity, deep intimacy with you, and great clarity in what it means to live the life of a disciple. So, Lord, as we're here, we just take a moment to listen, to hear, to respond. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you so much for speaking to us. And Lord, today we come before you with hearts of deep gratitude, deeply grateful for your kindness, for your care, for your mercy. And Lord, today I pray, Father, your blessing over every single person here in this room. Father, blessing over their families, blessing over their marriages, blessing over their private life. Lord, blessing over the resources that you've entrusted them with. Lord, I pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and strengthen every person in this room. Strengthen them to live the life that you would call them to live and to impact the world around them. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.